This is the tenth reflection following the loving kindness or metta practice, practice of the heart. And what this really can be boiled down to is a practice in compassion, in kindness, and care for self and others. When I first started practicing mindfulness, it was because I was, I wanted to be kinder to myself. I didn't realize that at the time. There was a lot of automatic negative self-talk, but I didn't even know it at the time. Before I had practiced mindfulness to start to tune into what it was my mind was telling me throughout the day, I didn't even realize that I needed a practice in self-care, self-compassion, and compassion for others. What I've come to find over the past 10 years is that maybe loving-kindness is the most important part of my practice, or the most healing. It's the practice of the heart. We can bring awareness to things, bring awareness to life, but without the loving-kindness, without the care and compassion, it can still be empty. For example, we could be aware of what is happening in our minds, what is happening in our bodies, but then the energy of loving-kindness Self-care, self-compassion transforms suffering. If we can hold our anger, hold our anxiety, hold our pain in loving-kindness, in self-compassion, then we can transform it. We can, we can be patient with ourselves and we can heal and continue to heal and if we can bring that same loving kindness and compassion and patience and understanding to other people or things that we're relating with in our lives, then we can heal those relationships as well. I think of it like uh, weeding the garden. The garden will continue to produce weeds and if you pull the weeds, over time the weeds' root systems will get weaker the more and more you pull them. That's kind of like loving-kindness practice. If we can practice being compassionate to ourselves and others, over time the negative thought systems will weaken. If we can continue to pull the weeds over time. And I liken it to weeds because weeds continue to come back. And they may be weaker, but they will always come back. And that's kind of like, you know, self-judgment or judgment towards others or strong critical thoughts towards self. They will always come back over time, but they may come back weaker and less frequently if we continue to bring this energy of loving kindness, care, and compassion to the self. There's... A teacher, Tara Brock, 
she teaches a lot about radical self-compassion, practices of the heart being of the utmost importance and what we're learning by practicing loving kindness towards the self and others is it's an experiment what would happen in our lives if we brought this energy to our relationship with all things I think of it uh, sometimes I use the metaphor of a table when I talk about relationships with other people if you find that you're having difficulty in relationships with other people, it's kind of like a table with four legs. If the table, if each leg of the table is represented by the person's relationship with himself, if any one of those legs give out, the whole table will collapse and it wouldn't be able to support anything. So each person in the relationship has to work on the relationship with themselves in order for the table to be sturdy and to hold a relationship with another person. So if we look through the sequence of the practice, we first learn to tune into mindfulness, that mindfulness is a thing that we can tune into. And then we might notice throughout the practice that one of the things that comes up in awareness is judgment towards self. And that's when we talk about non-judgment, the practice of non-judgment. That practice of non-judgment is a practice of the heart. It's a practice of compassion towards self. And it's a rewiring of the brain. Neuroplasticity, science and neuroplasticity shows us that we can change the way our neurons fire, meaning if we have cognition that are remembered in one direction and that replays over and over in our mind, we can change that. And with love and kindness, we can change that towards something gentler, something that is more kind towards the self. For example, let's say you try to sit in a meditation practice, but you're, you're tired and you find yourself falling asleep. There's two ways to go about it. You can judge yourself for falling asleep and be harsh and critical and think, I was trying to meditate, but now I'm falling asleep, so I'm failing. Or you can tune into some intuition in your body that might know, maybe it's not time for meditation. Maybe I need sleep. And that's the balance. You know, mindfulness and meditation practice, they are very, it's a strong discipline. It's a strong practice in concentration. So there has to be on one side of the scale discipline and, and waking, waking, maybe waking up earlier to find time to do it and a strong practice in commitment, intentionality, concentration, but also the balance of self-care, self-compassion. If you find yourself waking up every day an hour early to get your meditation practice in, but you're falling asleep through your day because you're cutting sleep out, then maybe there's some kind of balance that would work better. So the whole thing really becomes this balance of discipline and self-care. 
How can I make a commitment to be disciplined, but also pay attention to when I need to rest? And that's where the different practices come in handy. Through this mini-series, there are now 10 different practices that you can engage in. So it really becomes a uh, like a palette. If you were a painter, a palette of all different paints that you can use. It's just all different practices that you can engage in. So what may be helpful is to stop, tune in. What does the body need right now? What does the mind need right now? Do I need a walking meditation? Do I need a movement meditation? Do I need to just be still? Do I need to practice stillness? Do I need to just listen to the birds? And then because you have learned all of these practices, you can tune into one the one that the body needs. And that itself is an act of self-care, self-compassion, self-kindness. Also, the practice of loving-kindness has helped me see the connection that I have with all beings in that when people suffer it's usually at its fundamental level similar to mine similar to all people I see this in my work as a therapist there are a lot of different expressions of pain but underneath these surface level expressions, a lot of times there are similar patterns of loneliness or anger, sadness, fear of abandonment. Uh, These foundational pains and uh, patterns of suffering that we can all relate to at a base level. So if we can see our own pain for what it really is through mindfulness and we can bring compassion to ourselves and transform our pain and suffering, we can bring that same understanding, insight, and wisdom to another person. So if we see someone who is angry, we can look deeply into their anger and see that really what's underneath that is suffering. And to feel, may they be well. May they be free from suffering as I can be when I practice loving kindness. It takes the edge off so that if they get angry instead of us responding back with anger or frustration we can see the pain and suffering and respond with empathy and it's lighter it's lighter on ourselves to respond with empathy as opposed to anger i forget who said it but holding a hot coal to throw it at someone else you're only burning your own hand So if someone responds in anger and we get caught up in the anger, we are now burning our own hand. But if we can see into their anger and understand, this anger is really coming from pain. And I know that because I've seen it in myself. I've seen that when I get angry, really what's underneath that is pain. What's underneath that is sadness and suffering. So with the insight of the mindfulness to see the pattern within ourselves, we can now start to see it in other people. And that same kindness we bring to ourselves, we bring to other people. And it heals all relationships. It heals our relationship with all things. And it allows us to approach relationships with more insight and wisdom. As far as the homework, practicing loving kindness for today 
and tomorrow and the next day. And I know this is the 10th recording, but I will say it again because it's it's important. If you are if you're not engaging in the practice, then then the intentionality and the commitment is not there. So it's it's really important to be actually engaging in the practice. It would be like planting a garden but never watering it. And there's no fruit. There's no vegetables that grow because we're not taking care of it. Committing to the practice itself is also an act of self-care. It's it's a radical act of self-care as John Kabat-Zinn might say it's it's a radical shift in putting ourselves first tuning into what the body needs and responding day by day by day moment by moment it also might be helpful to journal at this point if you have practiced the loving kindness practice or you're going to take out the uh, journal afterwards and reflect on what came up for me in this loving-kindness practice. Okay, so I'll see you in the next and final episode.